This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Well, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Hello, I'm Jake, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take plays, films, and more that have never been staged before, or are never likely to be staged again, and we talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello. Hello, Caleb. No, we're not asking how each other No, no, and, we're, and like from now on, we're going to not even mention that we're not asking each other how we are anymore, because it's even okay. worse. <laughs> Somehow, worse. Yeah, I made it worse, I'm um, sorry. Well, anyway... <laughs> This week we are joined by uh, actor Katie Bennett. Katie, hello. Hello. I- I've called you an actor. Oh, that's not really fair, is it? You're way more than that. Oh, what you- kind of stuff do you do? You're most kind. Um, I am an actor. I'm a freelance videographer, which is also partly due to the pandemic. So that's new. The avenue that I've developed further. Um, I also work for um, my local museum, the Novium Museum. Shout out as their sort of event learning, uh, casual assistant. I do lots of different uh, jobs with them in their sales as well. And at the moment, I am working on an immersive show coming out in May half term. So I'm producing and directing that. So I, yeah, as well, I also do a comedy trio. I am one of three of Quirks and Foibles. So we do weekly sketches online, released onto YouTube, Facebook, any of your old socials, you know the drill. Um, and we've been doing that for a year. So yeah, I just do a little bit of everything, but I love it. <laughs> Incredible. So that, that, that sketch group, that so you started that at the beginning of the pandemic, did you? We did indeed. So we had been planning it since 2019 um, and been doing bits of writing and uh, we're trying to get together the ideas to get something online as well. Cause we'd like to do a live, live show naturally. Obviously 2020 was not not up for that. 2020 said, no, you can't do a live show to everybody. Um, so <laughs> so we, we released our first online sketch after having recorded three in a week. And then we, we had them prepare. We were going to do them every two weeks. The first one went out on the Monday, which was basically the day. It was Monday the, 20, Monday the 16th and 16th of March. And then everything went crazy. And, and we sort of were under the new guidelines that there was going to be a lockdown and obviously that lasted for whatever it did six months and we decided we were going to do it weekly so we released we've released about 55 <laughs> sketches now we've never missed a week and we're loving it it's been such a learning experience for us as well and the writing and getting stuff out and editing so I do a lot of the editing um, mm. and we all pull our weight in the social media side and the writing and in, in everything and what we bring to the table it's it's such a, a great thing to be doing during this pandemic really um we've really it's really flown and we've been so lucky that there has been something positive to come out of 2020 <laughs> that is incredible the amount yeah. of work that you put into doing that like we tried to do this podcast we started in november of 2019 uh and we we, we planned to be weekly from the start and we yeah. we've not been we really have this is our i think this is going to be our 38th episode in that's over still a, amazing well over a that is still uh, a lot yeah. it doesn't it feels it, it feels as though we given what you've managed to achieve it feels as though we've failed <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Um, not enough. 
Have, are you, do you guys all live together? How do you manage to, to film it all? Oh, you ask a very, very good question. No. So <laughs> I live in Chichester. Millie, Millie Stevenson, she lives in uh, Epsom. And Amy McCann lives up in Leeds. She's she's north. She's up north. Um, so we film we filmed the first three when we were all together because obviously there wasn't a pandemic and you could go in people's houses and do normal stuff like normal people used to do. Um, and then everything happened and we've been filming remotely since then. There's been a few breaks where like me and Millie, because we live closer, have been able to meet up and film like we did uh, one in the garden and sort of sort of when we were able to, we were we were able to film together. But Amy has has not been. There was one time when she came down for a project, the virtual field trips to the museum that we were working on, where we were able to film something. But other than that, it's been all remote. Mm. And it's talking about eye lines and like we have a weekly meeting. So we, we say what we're going to do this week or we try and get ahead, which is what we're doing at the moment. We're trying to film a couple this week where we can start getting ahead of the game. So it's not every <laughs> week. But um, but we, we talk about the eye lines, what the colours, what we've all got ring lights and stuff. So we, we try to get it as right as we can. And as much as we can because we don't want it to be like you're looking to your left but the other person is not that side and then when you edit it together it just looks absolutely naff and we're not down for that we are absolutely for the continuity as much as we can be even though we're not in the same room but um it's it's a feat like it's a real it's been amazing to do because we've learned a lot and like putting putting the edit together and being able to suspend the disbelief that we're all in the same room together which has been yeah when we've had comments and people have said do you live together then? And I'm like, I wish. I absolutely wish. <laughs> Things would be so much easier. You've achieved it. You've you've you must have done it right if someone's saying that, you know? That must yeah. be great to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's just it, it just makes you feel amazing because you're like, somebody somebody found it really fun and they thought we were all together and they thought we were having fun. And and actually the reality is we're all in our like bedrooms, all on our own, like trying to be funny to our ring light with no comic timing and just going, Am I even funny? And then then we like put it together. And then it's I mean the timing, uh like what we're going to speak about, the timing is in the edit as well. So I mean I hold a lot of power as the editor and so I quite enjoy that because it's it's quite fun (laughs) to see that power of the edit and and the comedy that comes comes out of the, the filming itself. It's not all in the script, it is in the performance, it's in what you do with the character, um, which segues quite nicely onto what we're going to be talking about. That is about. a beautiful, a beautiful uh, segue. Thank segue. You. Yeah, Let's talk you're, about what you've brought you're an to absolute us. Pro. <laughs> it's like I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> we, we are hoping that this becomes a bit of a series, uh, but this week Katie has brought us an episode of Inside Number Nine. Yeah, Inside Number Nine is the started in 2014 it's a bbc comedy series written um by reese smith and steve pemberton and stars at least one of them in every episode but most episodes it stars both of them uh in all sorts of different roles and it is just an absolute masterclass in writing and in character acting as well um so we've been wanting to talk about this for a long time so we're so glad when when you emailed us about it katie we're like this is the moment we're gonna start doing this um (laughs) (laughs) we before we dive into the episode that you brought us we thought we could have a bit of a conversation about what what is it if we're doing inside number nine the stage show um before we decide which stories that those are what 
would that look like? Maybe you could give us a bit more of an idea of what Inside Number Nine is, and then also we could start to answer that question. Yeah, absolutely. So Inside Number Nine is an anthology series. Basically, they're half an hour episodes. They're comedy dramas, so they're half an hour, and every week you get a different story. Very much for the, if there's any older listeners out there, it's like play for today. So they would have different plays each week um, or, of sort of anthologies or um, tales of the unexpected that it has been compared to. I mean, the the, the stories are lo- loosely like I've been lis- listening to lots about the tales of the unexpected and the, the, the writing isn't quite as good as Inside Number Nine. Inside Number Nine's leagues ahead of the, what, the, what it was, but that's the era. So um, they are anthology episodes where you get meet different characters every week. There's never two the same. Um, I would love there maybe to be crosses between as we go down the series. Who knows how many there's going to be? Um, and they they mm-hmm. all have a a twist. It's not all about the twist, but they normally do have something that is slightly sinister about them. Not always. This is this is the thing I'm going. This it could be this or it could be that. That's the beauty of Inside Number Nine, because you never know what you're going to get. As as Forrest Gump said, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I describe it as like a black mirror for younger people. I would describe it as like black mirror, but shorter, funnier, and better. Oh, and I agree with that. Um, that's close the book yeah, on that. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Maybe we'll end up talking about this on an episode of the podcast at some point, but I don't know if you've seen the Netflix series Easy. Have you seen that? No. Pretty good. That's an anthology series, but they're all set in the city of Chicago at around the same time. So occasionally a character that was in one story will pop up in another, and sometimes they'll do a story and then like in the next series they'll they'll follow up on that story again and then they'll follow up on that story again the series after um but you just made me think of that when you're saying it would be nice to see some of these pop up yeah. again and that is a series where they do this anthology thing but they also have the characters pop up elsewhere and and follow up on different stories as well uh completely irrelevant so we'll <laughs> no, no not at all not relevant <laughs> but yeah so g- given all of that that's an excellent description and overall uh vision of the of what it is um if we were going to pick a few of these and put it on stage or would we not want to maybe we'd want to just do one um what what would it look like do we think any ideas i would think it would be great to do it as as the anthology so maybe do like three or four because they are only half an hour they do lend themselves quite well to that short staccato sort of their stories um in my mind, it links very much to ghost stories, which is also another League of Gentlemen, which was um, Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson. Um, Jeremy Dyson being the non-scene member of the League of Gentlemen, along with um, Steve Pemberton, Risha Smith and uh, Mark Gatiss. So I think the the style of it being in ghost stories, they link. They all have, there's three sort of stories and they all link at the end. And I think if Inside Number Nine, at the moment, nothing links other than the ha- which for the listeners i brought a hair along because there's a hair in every episode of inside <laughs> number nine um other than the hair there's not really a link between characters but say there were to be and maybe there was something that fed through each of the the stories and then in the end in the fourth one things linked together i think that would be just awesome uh, um, yeah. i would say for the listeners it's a uh, a statuette hair oh. not an actual live hair that katie is currently <laughs> I'll, I'll go and get my actual hair actually wait a second <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm completely with you and that's 
they also did that with the Twilight Zone a little while ago as well, another anthology series that they put on in London, and that was all separate stories, and they told several separate stories on stage. Yeah, that was Anne Washburn. Yeah. Uh, who also did Mr. Burns, which is an, like a version of, well, sort of a version of The Simpsons. Um, she's very good at that kind of dark comedy sort of thing. Yeah, and I think that, that that's absolutely the best thing to do with Inside Number Nine, I feel. And I think it is the strength of it is in how how good each of the stories is and how well written all of them are and how good all the characters are. And uh, obviously in the TV series, we have Rhys Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton as a constant, as actors through all of it. But to do it with a you know, like a repertoire company and then put on three or four of them um, over a night and they each, they're all in all of them. And some of them, you know, if someone takes a starring role in one, they they take a, a back seat in another, I think would be really exciting to put on stage as well. And to kind of, I guess it, it captures that sort of what used to be the way that like most theatres ran their summer program would be you just hire one group of actors and they'll put on, you know, eight or 10 shows over a summer and you could capture that same thing um, just within like a two and a half hour show of an anthology of a few stories. So you think you'd have like a you'd have like a, a show where they do three of them, and then after three months they switch to a different three? Is that Ooh, oh that's that, even wow. cooler? That's not, <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. Well, that, well, that's 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 what a rep yeah. company was. Well, yeah, but do, I was saying you show and then you'd... you capture the feeling of a rep company in one night. Oh, I see. So I see, you know, I in a rep see. company, someone would play the lead in one show, and then in the next show they wouldn't, so that they had time to learn the lines. Mm. Uh, so I say right, you capture that in one night, but also changing it after a few months would be awesome because it means oh. it means you could constantly keep it touring or in one yeah. theater yeah i mean so the jamie lloyd company did the pinter at the yeah. pinter series uh on was it his hundredth? yeah yeah i think day? so something 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 around that time and obviously they had quite big names in the cast so they changed the cast every couple of months yeah. and also changed the three or four shows they were doing and i think they ran they ran three shows one night and then three shows another night and then they would switch to a different two sets of three shows it's all very complicated <laughs> yeah very yeah. very impressive um but yeah i feel like that's something that could be done mm. um and i think the thing we haven't quite said yet explicitly is that the thing is with these things is because they are inside something that is called number nine whether that be a shack or a room or a, a dressing room or a uh a shoe room is one of them it's a, it's a size, size yeah, nine yeah. um or any anything along those lines because of that they all lend themselves excellently to the theater mm. um, and something we haven't yeah. quite said yet um that they they're all plays to me i watch yeah. every single one of these and i go this is already a play absolutely they lend themselves tremendously to stage especially when the scripts we're not sponsored by hodder studios or inside number nine but you can get the <laughs> scripts now so yeah. like having that to read and to look and the way it's written and i know it's written tv but they are so theatrical in the in their sense and i think it just as, as you've already said it 100 percent lends itself to stage yeah without a doubt. and both mm. both steve pemberton and reese shearsmith have experience on stage and actually at the beginning of 2020 were both announced to be on stage at some point in 2020 yeah. but both of them obviously got cancelled yeah um so i think they i think they both have a fondness th- for the theatrical as well and that comes through in the writing for sure yeah um, I think it does I think maybe we're ready to start talking about this specific 
episode because I think something we've scattered around there is in what sort of space you might put it in. But I guess depending on which stories you chose, it might affect which space you decided on. Yeah. Um, so obviously you need a space that's adaptable to multiple stories, but also you'd want something that works specifically for the stories that you're choosing. Um, so the episode you brought us, uh, Katie, is The Trial of Elizabeth Gadge, which is from the second series. Yeah. W- would you be able to give us a rundown of the plot? I'm, I am going to, and I am going to do spoilers as well. So if you don't haven't watched it, go and watch it, and yeah. then come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. And the, the, un, yeah. the unifying feature of the Inside Number Nine episodes is the hair in the background, but also that they always have some kind of narrative twist yeah. in it. So go and find out the twist before yeah. you listen. <laughs> yeah. no, normally, normally we're like, you know, yeah, you go watch it if you want. No, go go watch Inside yeah. Number 9 and then listen to this. Yeah. 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 This one especially has, I would say, two twists, really, because yes. you think... Yes, the double yeah. twist. We yes. love a double twist. Ah, uh, the classic. <laughs> um, go, go, go for okay, it, Okay, so picture this. We start in 1649, so Elizabethan. We have the era of witch hunting. So this story starts in Elizabethan barn. I could just go through the script and read you the stage directions, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you a rundown <laughs> um, a little bit quicker. So it's all based around the trial of Elizabeth Gadge, as the title suggests. Um, she has been uh, accused of being a witch by her daughter and the husband. So they are uh, Sarah Nutter and Thomas Nutter. And Thomas Nutter is played by Jim Howick, who is also in Ghosts and yeah. spoken about this. Big fans of Ghosts <laughs> as well. Um, so they've, they've accused their, mo- their mother and mother-in-law of being a witch. And Mr. Warren and Mr. Clark, Mr. Warren played by Rhys Shearsmith, Mr. Clark pa- played by Steve Pemberton, have come to to do the trial, basically. I don't know sort of the specific term of what you'd call them, the uh, other than witch hunters, really. Um, that's, yeah. that's what they are. They come into the barn um, and they meet a character called Sir Andrew Pike, who is, I'd suppose, the sort of mayor of the, of the little town they, they live in, which is also very, very cutely called Little Little Happens. And it's uh, another lovely joke in there as they talked about the, the, the neighbouring town, which is much happens or something like that. <laughs> I think yeah. it's fantastic. Um, so basically it surrounds the trial and we go through various scenes of them trying to get the truth out of this so-called witch. And you have people, people coming in and giving their evidence of what what she's been accused of, what they've seen her doing. She's been seen dancing in the woods, basically, and um, I'd, delicately putting it, sucking the the brown teat of a bear, possibly. That's what it says. <laughs> Do we need yeah. now an explicit content warning on this at the beginning? <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. There's, there's a lot of there. They do a lot of clever BBC Elizabethan swearing. They yes. do they say things like yes. "cunning" yeah. and uh, yes. <laughs> it's so clever. It's yeah. There's so it's laced with with humour and darkness throughout. Um, basically, so we have various days. It's I think it's over the span of three days, and they have the the different um, people come forward, and she's. She's tortured, not very nicely. She's pricked and to see if she will bleed and there's lots of blood. And then overnight she's stretched as well. So she comes back after uh, Mr. Warren and Mr. Clark have a, have a lovely breakfast and they're eating a hearty, uh, hearty meal. And then she comes in stretched and pulled and looking absolutely awful. And this sort of the climax, climaxed, 
climactic scene of this witch trial, um, Mr. Warren goes over to her and he sprinkles some some cheese crumbs around her and they bring in this it's it's incredibly funny because they bring in the next sort of witness which is the familiar which is a little (laughs) white mouse in a bottle and basically to see if the mouse will go to go to um elizabeth gadge and admit that this familiar frolics with her in the woods and she is definitely a witch there's a lot of obviously in the witch hunting world, there's a lot of flaws in their, yeah. in their methods, as it is yeah. uh, very much explored throughout this. And we see the re- there's a really interesting relationship between Mr. Warren and Mr. Clark. Mr. Warren is that very much um, doing, doing the deed of, deed of God and he is ridding the world of witches, whatever it takes, and doesn't really see the, the side that actually it looks like uh, Elizabeth Gadge um, is staying in the attic room of, the, of her daughter and and their daughter's husband, and they just want the attic room so that they can air their washing, really. Um, And Mr. Clark sees this, absolutely, and thinks that Mm. she's not a witch, which leads really nicely onto the the next section, um, because Mr. Warren absolutely doesn't see this, and he's, I think, corrupt by evil and corrupt by his, everybody's a witch, and if if anybody's been accused, they're basically a witch, and that's his thought. But the thing is, Mr. Warren thinks he's doing right. He really thinks thinks he's he's ridding the world of this this witchcraft and this evil um ultimately the mouse goes to elizabeth gadge they think she's a witch and that and that's the end that's the end of the trial and they put a bag on her head and they they leave her in the barn and everybody everybody vacates and then we cut and then we go to to night time and we see elizabeth gadge you know what's coming because I'm starting to get really descriptive and it's exciting. So it's, it's darkness and you can hear people gathering outside. It's, it's like a fair. It's basically in the it's turned from little happens to to a lot happens because they've got fair. They've got they're, they're ready to burn this witch at the stake. And they, we see in the corner of the barn with a bag over her head, Elizabeth Gadge. And in comes um, the daughter. So we have Sarah and Thomas coming in to say goodbye to her mother. Um, and they say goodbye, and, and then off they go. We have Mr. Mr. Warren. No, we don't. We have Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark comes in, and he starts to talk to Elizabeth Gatch. And he takes off the bag, and it's revealed that it's Mr. Warren with a bloodied head, and he's coming to, and he's talking to him. And it is very clear that Mr. Clark has bashed him over the head and is put, has put... Mr. Warren in the place of Elizabeth Gadge to be burned at the stake because he's so evil and he believes that he's done so so much wrong to the world that he is doing God's work by offering up his colleague to be burned in the place of Elizabeth Gadge. So this happens. We get Mr. Mr. Warren, as we now know, in the place of Elizabeth Gadge, goes out to be burned at the stake. And then suddenly he's saying, come out, and Elizabeth Gadge comes out. And she says, thank you, sir. And, and he's, he's like, you've, you've, I've re- so relieved that you, are, that you are alive. You must flee from this town. And she says, oh, how can I repay you? And she takes him by the neck and she's like, thank you. And then she snaps his <laughs> neck and he falls down dead. And then she flies off into the night and it turns out she was a witch. Um, <laughs> and, and the devil thanks you is the line. 
just after she's offered oh, him a thank I'm... you blowjob. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very lovely. The, you, the one thing that I want to add is just my favourite part, which is there is a character in this called Richard Two Shoes. This joke is the best setup yeah. joke I think <laughs> just ever. Because so I'll leave you to explain what happens. But, oh, I just love it. <laughs> I mean... No, I, I, quite simply, there is a character called Richard Tushies, and about two thirds of the way through, they decide they need to bring in his wife. And of course, in in the olden times, one's wife was was called Goody, the name of the husband, because everyone was very progressive. Was short for good and wife, they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she is Goody Two Shoes. <laughs> bring in Goody Two Shoes. It's the yeah. best setup I think ever. So good, and there's a Excellent. lot of like really great setup and playing with. You know, this is very much in the uh, sort of influenced by things like the Crucible and Absolutely. sort of like playing on this uh, idea that we already have of witch hunts. We and we've seen these witch trials before, and it's saying okay you've seen witch trials let's play with those tropes and then let's subvert them at the end yeah. um and playing with those tropes as well there's this sort of whole string through it where it's obviously set in elizabethan or you know like le- sort of mid 1600s that sort of time and um and like the language is of that time but there's also yeah. lots of references jokes and pieces of language that are very modern that are kind of playing with that period so there's like one moment where a guy's like oh would you mind the um is he like the mayor of the town or whatever he's like oh would you mind if i take down your um appearances in my notebook he's like sketching the two guys and then and then the cobbler comes over he's like oh i i can i can draw all of all three of you or you hit with him if you like um and he draws them and then he gets it back and it's just this terrible sketch drawing and he's like oh. yeah <laughs> and it's just like there's this one moment and then it just carries on um no but it's a, yeah it's a perfect reflection as you're saying of taking a picture yeah. yes yeah that's absolutely and, and that's and that's the point yeah, yeah yeah and and you get it back and the person you know is got their finger over the lens or something like <laughs> yeah yeah no definitely and th- and there's a lot of that through the whole thing anyway um yeah, thanks for that plot. Uh, I think you captured the sort of the, the sense of mystery, and um, I, I hope and... so. It's it's quite hard actually when you know how much happens in the space of half an hour to yeah, sort of say yeah. it in a in a concise way that because um, you can't do it justice unless you watch it. Listeners, just just go and watch it. You can't. <laughs> it's so hard. Well, the the writing is so economic that like it's every moment is either a joke, an advancement of character, or the next plot beat and it just keeps yeah. moving on and on which is great i love that that's part of why i think the writing's so good um let's get into staging this so uh as i mentioned like the sort of the space we might choose i think would be affected by what sketches are chosen as well uh, what sketches what stories are chosen as well um where what sort of theater are you envisaging putting this on in i would say a small intimate space because they are very personal we we don't want i think they'd be lost i think they could fill an audience i think they could fill a big west end theater no doubt the audiences would come but i don't think that's what's needed here and i had thought about the immersive experience being something that would maybe lend as well. I mean, I think for the purpose of this, maybe stick for the stage, but I think you could do a great immersive journey where the audience is this some, some character in in Inside Number Nine and you're taking on all these ups and downs of um, a plot. And it just, I mean, that's immersive theatre in general. You never know what's going to happen, I think. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, small intimate space uh, somewhere. I mean, we're Chichester, I think the Minerva naturally, but maybe something that could be freestanding like the Spingle tent, which at the Festival Theatre they did a couple of years ago was a tent that was um, a bit more... Um, a bit more fringy, a bit more, uh, I don't know what the word would be, experimental, but it was like, yeah. a, it was a tent and a stage in it and they changed it around for different performances. And I think that sort of would lend itself well, possibly too small. So maybe somewhere like the Minerva or Royal Court sort of size, something like that. Can't believe we've got another bloody Chichesterian on the podcast. I probably bring up the Minerva Theatre almost every single week because <laughs> it's just such a great space. It um, is, yeah. And they had that they had that um, place in the round at the Fringe, Jake. Can you remember the name of it? There was at Summer Hall. And then they took oh, over to that. That is uh, run by Middle Child. Okay. Um, it's called The Roundabout. The Roundabout, that's it. So oh, that was okay. fully in the round, but it was basically like a circus tent. And they took it to the fringe for the month and then they took it on tour afterwards. And so they could just pack the whole thing up and then put it out wherever they needed to. Maybe. So I imagine, I envisage a space like that would be great, like somewhere that is pop up as well, so that you could take it on tour as well would be really cool. Um, and for this specific story, I think that's perfect because there is. There's not a great deal you need here, right? You need the period costumes. You need like a desk and potentially some benches. Although I was going to talk about potentially, you know, what is the audience of the trial, the townsfolk? That was was also on my mind. We'll get to that. Um, (laughs) Essentially, though, you don't need very much because, you know, because they're writing for it to be almost like a shot, like a play. um, There's, there is it's very malleable to whatever space you put it in, I think. So I think you're right. And I think it'd be great to be able to do something that is pop up like that. Um, well, why don't we just go straight into that thing about the audience then, Jake, do you want to say something about it? <laughs> well, it was just, a, you know, this, the first half of this at least is, and I think you could kind of just cut them kicking the audience out. I don't know why they did that. I wonder whether they did that just to save money on extras. I don't well, know. Well, we know they think um, about that. That's something they always say that if they, yeah. they yeah. come to about budgets and if they could write a cheap episode and that sort of conversation does happen. So who knows? It will be the torture yeah. thing as well because um, yeah. to keep to keep a huge load of extras around whilst you're shooting a scene like that, which would be quite challenging to shoot, I think. Would well, be- they could have quite easily shot that bit on a different day when they're not there. I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think it would have been that. Um, no, but that's what I mean. They they send the audience out and then they say, oh yeah, I see what you mean. But No, as in you, yeah, could, you yeah, could make, no, yeah. the camera can lie. You can make it seem like what? the audience were there. The camera yeah, lies. I know. <laughs> I know, the camera lies. It's, it's, uh, no, but uh, I, I, I wonder whether it was just because it's, it's quite a good um, escalation though. So from the character, Mr. Warren gets so angry at everybody laughing. And I just love Brescia Smith's reaction. Like when the, she says about the, his beard. And his face just drops and, and it's just the best reaction. And I think that leap, making everybody leave really is that escalation from his emotion and his power trip that he's like, That's everybody true. out. And I, and I think I, I, there's probably many factors to it, as you, as you say, but I wonder whether it is just that um, it, it enhances his emotion and the feeling of power that he had um, yeah. in that and room. The, pre- the pressure, yeah. yeah. A- anyway... <laughs> I still think we could maybe change that for this because obviously we can't tell the audience to piss off. <laughs> um, but but what I think what makes sense here is that, you know, instead of paying for 30 people to sit and watch what's going on on stage on stage, 
we could quite easily, I think, in especially in an intimate space, the audience of the of the of the jury of the court, not not even the jury there, they were just, just the just villagers, yeah. would come for yeah. the show, hadn't they? Yeah. And there's that great joke where he suddenly starts advertising like the amenities yeah. available at the at the uh, at the burning. But anyway, then <laughs> uh, yeah, to have the audience be that take that role yes. in the court, yeah. and uh, you know their the reactions, I think would jive pretty well and they could yeah. do there's that whole bit where they suddenly start playing a game of like who laughs first that yeah um, that's so they, yeah. amazing and actually knowing that i don't know if that's from you've read in the script that it says it's now a game of who laughs first like i hadn't even yeah. really thought about when watching it i hadn't even really thought but thinking of it as a game yeah I was like, oh my god actually that's exactly what this is this the, the like drama game you would you would play it's yeah. just on 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 screen yeah in this vic- smile it- if you love me baby that's yeah, it yes. yeah. <laughs> and i hadn't thought about that until as exactly as you you picked up there that it says and now it's a big game of who laughs first so it's yeah amazing. so if we i i'm completely i'm in full agreement this is exactly what i was thinking about as well with the audience bringing them in and inviting them and to just be to plant those actors in the audience exactly oh, definitely. Yeah. oh my god yeah. that would be me oh i'm just gonna be like this all the way through this going oh my god yes that sounds amazing <laughs> and if yeah. and if you were doing it as an anthology either you know you could do this where this was like one of the middle stories and so you know we've seen the actors and they've all performed a little play for us already and then they come into the audience and they're part of it or this is how you open the anthology so before we've met all the actors we're meeting them as members of the audience and then yeah. in the next play, when we see them doing a completely different story, those people that have been in the audience with us, we feel that extra connection to the actor as well, which I think is quite exciting. Uh, uh, yeah. But but hang on a, mo- a momento. Yes. We're not going to be, it's not going to be the case where we're all coming in our in our normal everyday 21st well, century no, clothes and we go, oh, there's those. I'm not, sa- I don't think it would audience. be, a, I, I don't think it would be a surprise <laughs> that they're actors, but I think it yeah. would be nice to be first introduced to them as members of the same group of the audience um yeah i guess what i was gonna say is um if that's what we're going well yeah i think that is what we're going for um <laughs> how do we then in moments like when they're all laughing at um warren and, and moments like that how do we whip up that sense of frenzy and that sense of laughter and all the, these different things within the audience to make the most of the fact that they are part of the village because we don't have full control of them we have to control them by other means I think that's, I feel like that's quite a simple thing. Like with, with Elizabeth Gadwin, she, she is literally pulling funny faces yeah. at the audience. I feel like if you were in that, I think as an audience member, when you're sat next to an actor, there's that sense of giggling anyway, because you're, yeah. obviously you're taking on that journey. And, and, and if it's getting serious, you sit there very tight-lipped and you would never say anything. But when it, when it becomes to comedy and when you're interacting with an audience member, like at a comedy gig and you you talk to the person on the front row it's infectious they start to laugh because you put them on the spot so if she was going to walk to up to people going don't laugh or putting funny faces or and the people in the audience are going don't laugh the actors going don't laugh don't laugh and then they'll go why are you laughing and as soon as you start to question somebody going why are you laughing why are you pulling such a funny face they'll start to giggle because you're putting their pressure on them and it's just like that when you you laugh in um, really inappropriate times I think there's probably amount of trust in in an audience i know that's probably not always the case but i think in something like this i think you really would maybe surprised that people would just go with the, go with it and suddenly yeah, you start yeah. laughing 
I think what I'd worry about is this kind of collective energy thing. I think, uh, I mean, what I found in my own experience when I'm when I'm putting on comedy is that sometimes an audience will just get an idea in its head that it's not supposed to be laughing and it just won't for a little bit, even though they're finding things funny and they'll tell you afterwards they were finding it funny, they feel like they can't laugh. Yeah. Yes. And I, just making sure that doesn't happen. And actually, that's a really good point you made, Katie, about stand-up routines. And I was just thinking, well, if this is the first one, I think, what if the mayor character comes on before anyone else before anything else starts and he just does a little warm-up routine <laughs> well yeah and he just oh warms God, up the audience <laughs> and and he genuinely like he gets the audience to make sure that they are in the zone where they feel like they can make noise yeah, yeah. in the scene and then and then i think that will lend itself to yeah to them being I mean, able to do that he's, once it's he's almost a compare right he introduces warren and clark as if they're a double act and they run as if they're a double act like warren is um I guess you know if you were to do it like Clark's kind of the straight man, right? Yeah. Um, and and it is so. It, it, there is that sense of it feels like it could be a comedic performance, and you have this compare and you have this com- a comedy duo, and you could definitely treat the audience as if that was the case. And I think yeah. Warren himself is like he's you know, Rishi does like a very silly voice for him. Yeah. Like it is very silly. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and it's got it's almost like that sort of. Um, you know, when people do like an over-the-top impression of um, Snape in the Harry Potter films, it's got that kind of, it but then does. more nasally. Yeah. Um, I'm not even going to and... do an impression of it because I just, <laughs> I know what will come out, but it's, <laughs> it is exactly that. And I, he does yeah. a very good, I think, Rhys always does a very good angry man. And if you've seen like the League of Gentlemen <laughs> stuff, he does the angry man really well. And like yeah. the the um, debt collector character is so funny in the League of Gentlemen with, um, again, again, Steve Pemberton but he gets so yeah. angry and it's just I don't know why <laughs> well, he's always doing these characters again this is where the giggles could come from with the audience is you know if Elizabeth Gage can get them laughing you then have the character the, the actor sorry playing Warren um, really jumping immediately on that laughter trying to quash it I think will make people laugh more especially if he's this very nasally very funny character and then you know, the, it's like you were saying, Katie, the moment someone's telling you you can't be laughing at this, you're going to laugh even harder at it. Um, and I think if you give him that almost school teacher vibe about him trying to calm the class down, I think you could get a lot out of that. Um, and then I think, you know, you were saying, Jake, about not having the audience sent out. I wonder whether you do have a moment where the villagers are asked to leave and we have all the actors who are planted in the audience leave but the audience stays where they are, whether that would be enough to make them suspend disbelief that people have been sent out, but that would also bring the energy back down again so that you can do a torture scene without people giggling all the way through. I think there's a different way of doing that. Okay. That isn't so clunky. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I thought just, you had yeah, yeah. one. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I think, I think, because I mean, like I, in my head, the characters in the audience are, are, I don't even think Two Shoes is in the audience. I think he's on stage. Yes. Um, I possibly even think that that guy, the like other character who hates her, I can't even uh, remember. Waterhouse. Yeah. We've got um, yeah. George Waterhouse. Yeah, Waterhouse. Yeah. I think, I even think he could be on stage. I'm literally thinking that just the two... Nutters. The, the two nutters. The, <laughs> the two nutters maybe are in the audience because you know i don't want to give out seven house seats just so i can put audience there <laughs> yeah um, that's, that's true. a producer well, talking there <laughs> yeah. i guess they don't necessarily yeah i guess you could fit them around the audience depends on exactly what space you're using well i guess if you had them on stage you you could 
banish those characters specifically from the rest of the trial and send them out and then that could bring the energy back down or something like that yeah i i feel like what i mean by there's another way of doing that is that like instead of this like banishment thing there could just be this like just i think one thing i think we've had experience with this in our own shows caleb is when you bring in a moment of violence you tend to shut everyone up yeah that's true so that's I true, think, yeah. yeah, the 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 torture is maybe a bit like a build up that might that maybe can become quite funny because it's like, oh, now we're going to torture her. But if it became, if there was some kind of big slap or, um, yeah, some kind of like yeah. one individual choreographed violent moment, I think that would be enough to bring that energy down in a different way without having to be like you out because i think i don't know i feel like that's still funny when that happens the only reason we managed to reset as an audience when we're watching it on tv is the kind of blackout um yes uh, there's another one that i want to talk about as well but yeah i think that that okay. lends itself really well actually i really think that if you and that's something that inside number nine does a lot is you you're laughing at something and then they shock you and then you're like yeah. i yeah. shouldn't even be laughing and it's the as you say like with a slap or something if something happens whilst they're laughing and it's really really quick and even the audience aren't aware of actually what's just happened and then and then it takes them a moment and it's like that silence i think that's probably a great way of doing it and very inside number nine and i'm sure uh Reece Shearsmith and steve pemberton would be on board so i'm sure they'd like that um contrast <laughs> of, of making people laugh and then yeah. with that violence contrasting it hugely, I think that's a great idea. That's the other thing. Is it called On Stage Number Nine? <laughs> is that, on is that Stage crap? Number Nine. <laughs> uh, that might be awful. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just carrying on from that point about blackouts, Jake. I was going to say, is there, you know, this is kind of split up into different sections of the of the trial over a number of days do we want to bring unity of time as well as unity of place and have this be one trial and it's all happening all in the moment? And maybe there's some slight rewrites we need to do to get from moment to moment. But, you know, if you had it where Warren and Clark had already set up the torture, had already had the mouse ready for them to do that whole section, it feels more like Warren's um, plan to make sure Elizabeth Gadge is guilty is unfolding and so it's the whole thing is he's he knows he's going to find her as guilty and he's already set up all the ways in which he's going to do that and it's just watching that unfold over the course of half an hour yeah i i think that it can be brought together as you've just said up other than that gap other than the between ending. the end and the the court I and i think that's yeah. the interesting how to do yeah. it but i absolutely I, agree. I, think, I don't think we'd lose much with it because actually the idea that this goes on over three days is a bit ridiculous <laughs> very intense yeah. they really gotta have it home yeah. really <laughs> what isn't part of it is there's the joke that warren and clark are kind of taking advantage of the town and taking a lot of money right from them. so so this there's this idea that we need to get across there's this mo- there are these moments when clark tries to be frank with warren and say you know come on you know this is bullshit yeah. and he's not and warren isn't having any yeah. of it but i think we should have that in like a recess of some kind where like they think we can't hear them or something yeah. as the audience or yeah or maybe they don't, they don't care that we can hear them because we don't have any say and it's it, you know only matters what the mayor thinks we can build that in in some way or so, something like that rather than having to have these time splits but yeah i'm really curious as to how we get to the night of the fire and do the switch and all that kind of stuff yes 
no idea magic <laughs> magic we use actual yeah. magic no that is challenging did you have any thoughts on that katie on how we make that switch happen at the end um i my only thought and you'll probably hate me for this because <laughs> i was thinking <laughs> you know what i'm gonna say one like one and this is why i think it would be clever um one snap blackout with like a, a big bell to make so they have a bell that tolls all the time throughout the changes of the days and then they say about the mm. the storm but like a rumbling sound so as it's sort of building and building and building like a jump scare so that you get everybody all of a sudden with this big sort of blackout and get everybody out somehow so they put the bag on her head and then there's this really quick swap and it's just like this minuscule second of blackness and then like this one second blackout with the big sound that makes everybody jump mm. and poo their pants and it all changes. But it's, yeah, it would need a lot of choreography. No, I, I'm with like you, that. yeah. I think if you could make it effective, like sound and feel effective and make yeah. the audience feel debilitated, but not for so long that it's like, oh, there's clearly something going on. I hate blackouts on. as well. So yeah. I do, I'm very much, I don't want to see scenes of, and now we have a blackout because the changing scene. Now it's blackout to change the day. I'm not down for that. I think that's uh, yeah. lazy. I think that's lazy theatre making. Um, and so, so but I think yeah. when used effectively, like you're saying, though, it's it it, it is an effect. That is yeah. what it is. And and when you're not using it as a crutch, and instead you're using it as a this is a moment we can make this thing happen. And it and but also not only are we just doing a thing making it happen, but also like we're using it as as an effect within the story to sort of bring the trial to an end, to bring us into this moment where the witch is going to be killed, and to kind of I think there's enough there to say to justify a blackout. I think the challenge then obviously comes in how quickly you can make that switch happen. Mm. But these days you have like, you know, relatively inexpensively, you can have coats that are all like hooked up in like magnets and stuff. So you can just rip them straight off. So if you have Warren in his big, long black cloak and then underneath he's just wearing the same thing as Elizabeth Gadge, I think there's a pretty easy way you can make that switch happen quickly. Um, just like you all say, right. really well choreographed. Yeah. <laughs> So quick change is, is one option. I've just yes. thought of three other possibilities. Ooh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Possibility one, uh, no blackout. It all happens at once. What happens is Elizabeth Gadge is, is hooded and then dragged around the back of an audience. So we're in kind of some kind of studio space where the rake has like sides. Mm. Um, and someone and someone could be, could reasonably like walk around the audience. Um and that happens in such a way that is very cleverly done so that as we like hear her being like dragged around and then like maybe we see the set being changed on stage we we watch the set being changed from the court scene to this barn where she's being prepared and we hear her being dragged around and she comes back on and she's back into the hay and now we're in a new place and like we we think it's just some like a stylistic transition but actually what's happened in that time is that the the actors have switched um, yeah that sounds and, like a neat way of doing it. And that doesn't then require loads of quick change technology. So that was that was option one. Option two is I liked that idea you said of like get, getting the audience to actually leave. Um, and I was okay, thinking well, maybe yeah. maybe we just we make the foyer an extra bit of set of where wherever we're doing this and they have to go outside. Like if this was, a, as you say, like a pop up somewhere in like a field or something, we could mm. actually do a bloody pyre. Like, just go for it, you know, and then, and then <laughs> we can do the a stage. bonfire yeah. afterwards and have, you know, no, no, not not to 
not to do anything but to, to like as like an atmospheric and then, yeah, and then yeah, after yeah. the show finishes it could be like a quite a nice like bonfire kind of fireworks night kind of thing <laughs> marshmallows <laughs> yeah. Apples. Yeah. yeah marshmallows burgers <laughs> you know, whatever. Apples, yeah, um, and we could see it happen out there yeah. and the switch could quite easily happen in that transition as well so those are two options and then option three which is the one i thought you were going to say before is um we don't go to it yet we start another episode and then we come back wow i that sounds immediately very interesting um but then also i worry people would forget and then the twist would not have that is true i I think you'd have to you'd have to write more build up to the twist i think you'd have to you have to reintroduce all the things we're doing yeah speaking of more build up when you're saying about the changing the transition and dragging um elizabeth guys around the back and doing the switch behind the audience that way i think you i was gonna say i think you could write quite easily a new scene that happens between like um two uh two shoes and someone else and they're setting up for that night and you have like again some of this funny sort of like pointing at like what a spectacle the witch trials became and how they're comparing it to like a funfair type thing you could write like a brief scene between two characters there whilst the dragging round is happening to make it feel even less clunky yeah i was thinking just music just like high tempo music but that would also work if we had like a little funny scene as well yeah well i think you could that leads it to i don't think it needs to be a scene between two people i think it can be um sir andrew pike with his toffee apple talking to the, yeah. we've, if we've set him up as this sort of compare uh, at the beginning yeah. sort of with this sort of warming up the audience that they're very oh, uh, very connected to him as a character talking them, to them directly already so if he comes on and, and is explaining this yeah. and it's like toffee apples which is like and just that bit of banter people are going to be a tight five from him <laughs> yeah lulled into yeah. this full sense of security they're like oh this character's loving it it's oh look he's got a toffee apple hat how humorous like and then it comes back yes. to this switch and then that's when you hit them with the second punch and you're like oh my god that's actually happened she's still she's still being dragged around she's still going to be killed and then you've got the double the double twist yeah yeah yeah, bro. No, I think that that creates a good solution to that. Cool. Um, is that? I mean, we yeah. I think we've kind of captured the the tone and stuff of of it, and we've talked a lot about what we can do with the audience that would be exciting, which I think is great. Um, is it? What else is there that we want to talk about? I feel like we've covered a lot of the the key moments, really. I yeah. I think I really think we have. There's a there's so much in with it with the script as good as this. Um, yeah. It's all in. I mean, aren't we all itching to get into the rehearsal room and just do an inside number nine now? Like it's, it's, yes. <laughs> it's the content of the script and the dialogue. And like we've spoken about the jokes between Little Happens and, and Much Happens and Goody Two Shoes. And there's so, so we much. We haven't even like, mentioned I... the slight anal obsession of our mayor character. Oh, yeah um. <laughs> when he, opens, he opens the pair and he's oh, like lots of prop oh, jokes yeah lots of prop jokes in this yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. it opens up inside every orifice to the point of ecstasy and then he goes yeah. agony, <laughs> oh, yes, agony. <laughs> yes of course yeah it's, it's um, so amazing <laughs> and i think that's it right and i think what jake and i were saying before this was that a lot of these they are written like really good short plays and so in some ways, there's not so much to discuss of like, oh, how, how are we going to make this work? Or how are we going to make that work? But it's just that thing of um, 
yeah, talking about how are we going to capture the vibe that, that Shearsmith and Pemberton wanted on stage. Um, and once you've got that, it is like, let's, you, you'd have to just figure this out in the rehearsal room. That's up to direction and up to the actors and up to just that, that, and I think it's a script that lends itself to playfulness and lends itself to that time spent just enjoying the characters. And I think all of these characters feel like um, they're proper characters, you know, because they're like, yeah. they're from history. None of them are, you know, just like a, a blank slate at all. They're, there's so much like silliness and little quirks that you can add to each character yeah. um, that would be so much fun to work on in a rehearsal. For sure. Uh, the, the one thing I actually wanted to just chat about, and I think we might, if we do leave this in, we might pop it up top caleb um is yep. katie why did you pick the trial of elizabeth gadge as the oh, one to focus on i can't on? believe i forgot because <laughs> um, it's interesting because we i think caleb and i both feel like it's it's like maybe not one of the stronger ones um in the sense of like it is really funny um as we have talked about slash as we're about to talk about um <laughs> but it um <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't have maybe the kind of punch of some of the others. Why Elizabeth Gadge? Oh, good, good, good question. Uh, I I love the historic context of it. And mm. naturally, as we've sort of briefly spoken about, I work at the Novi Museum. I love my history and I really, I love things that tie time that are historically accurate. And I, I like, like horrible histories. I mean, this is very, very wide comparison. But when things are done <laughs> right and, and they're done factually, I think it aids aids to it and i think this sort of thing is done in everything inside number nine is is always factual and there's always some truth behind what they might be exploring or some sort of content like there was like cold comfort is inspired by um a a police tape or cctv tape of an interview and and stuff like that because it comes from the truth and and i think the world is so fascinating and interesting and then there are stories to be told and all throughout history um, that's a very long-winded uh, answer why I like but I think it's because of the history I yeah. really like the simplicity of it um, the characters are fun I also I love the the dynamic between Pemberton and Shearsmith in this one yeah, because yeah. there's that little mini battle and and I think ultimately when you've got which is again why they're all so good when you've got the high stakes between characters and you've got the the ultimate goal of something like uh, like a burning or there's there's really something to be lost and ju- you know what? You're just taken on such a journey because of you're invested in in Elizabeth Gadge and, and you think she's innocent. And, and you know this sort of thing happened to innocent people. That's where the facts come in. You know this sort of thing happened and people were just killed because the, a, a cow died and they accuse a person they don't like. It, and that's the, the, horrid, the horrid way of the world that that sort of thing happened. And when you get twisted that you think she's going to get away and you think she's this innocent person, and her, she's just been ratted out by her daughter. And then you've got this character oh, of Mr. Clark who actually knows what he's doing isn't, isn't right. And the way that they deal with it isn't right. And, it, and is questioning it himself and is doing ultimately a good thing. Well, I mean, that's questionable because he's actually murdering somebody else. But <laughs> it's questionable whether it's good. Um, and then and you're just taken on this, this whirlwind. And yeah, it, it's got so many layers to it. And and you watch it again, the same with every episode. You watch it again and again and you pick up new That's things. True. Like even yeah. the the nutters, like I, I find that funny that they're, they're the nutter, I, they're, what's their name? Um, Thomas Nutter. But when you say them together, they're the nutters and yeah, goody two shoes. Yeah. Like that's just so, <laughs> so weird and so funny and so stupid. But it's in this incredibly serious setting. 
and yes. there's that that horror sort of element and I very much like I was wasn't a horror person at all um like through through all my years and I really I really never really really delved into it but as soon as I started watching Inside Number 9 um it, it was an avenue that sort of opened up and I really quite like the twists and the turns and the sinister side to storytelling. Um, I mean, like I say, the harrowing is, is one that I'm not as keen on because it's just too scary. <laughs> but the, it's like, it's just an interesting thing to to change your perception on things and being able to deal with that sort of horror yeah. side to things. And they are so into their horror films as like when I've watched countless League of Gentlemen um, interviews and Inside Number 9 and Q&As and they're all so into that and and I think ultimately this is a very long-winded answer I'm sorry guys <laughs> I feel like I should stop but ultimately the fact that they're writing something that they're interested in and the stories that they want to tell because they've had influences as like I would have influences from them and from comedy and yeah. from like I don't know the the sitcoms that I used to grow up watching and Dad's Army and The Vicar of Dibley, but I've also got stuff like Inside Number Nine that influences me completely in the work that I want to do and continue to do, and and it, that's just great that they're they're doing that and they're writing what they what they they've always wanted to do. Um, no, yeah. I, I, that, that really appeals to me about Inside Number Nine is it's one of the only things on TV right now that feels like it is. It is just writing with no restrictions other than the time limit, you know. And well, they, they set is... themselves restrictions that allow them to write really effectively, mm. but they're not setting themselves restrictions in terms of the way well, every every single episode feels like a passion project because it feels like they picked out that story specifically. Yeah. And having read a little bit more about, I mean, I I am very jealous. I don't have the scripts like you two do yet. <laughs> um, but having read a little bit more about the production side and stuff, it like it sounds like a lot of these as well were, were stories they were developing for other things and then they go they got inside number nine and they're like oh this could work as an inside number nine story so it's stuff that has been on their minds for years that yeah. they've been developing and then they are able to put it on screen through this is great i think you're right yeah. as well that that thing of the history and the different influences and i think what's great about this being one to put on stage is that influence of the crucible and there is mm. a, a direct theatrical connection there as well yeah. which i think is playing with those tropes even more because not only is it something that we've seen uh, before, but we've seen it on stage before. And so to play with it again and subvert it there would be really exciting. Yeah, yeah, a totally another idea about this would be, you know, a cheap version would be take someone doing The Crucible and say, hey, you know, on your off nights, can we put this on? And I think, you know, it would, and it would yeah. work. That's a yeah. good idea, yeah. yeah. I thought For a second, I thought you were going to say you rewrite The crucible so that it's this or something <laughs> yeah. like, no this is what happens at the end snaps the neck yeah no 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 i think that's why i find this episode slightly less interesting just because for me a double twist means they didn't feel like the first one was good enough do you know what i mean yeah um, maybe yeah oh, okay i mean well i think I... they just i think they lay it too well i think i was yeah i was expecting what happened with the first one and that's why the and that's why it's not really even a double twist because it kind yeah. of it kind of you know that's you at, yeah. yeah at the first one um, yeah but anyway. then maybe that's why they did it so you've got one that you expect and then they've got another one that yeah, gets you yeah, i'm not giving them anywhere near enough credit i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no, I... i'll fight that corner <laughs> you, you did that okay <laughs> well and i think i think it does speak to their their ability as writers that this is one that jake and i both see as run of the mill yet we could 
easily talk for hours about it. We would yeah. enjoy putting it on stage so yeah. much. And yeah. going back to it this time around, there was so much to be gained from a, another viewing of it. 100%. So, you know, yeah. yeah. Just to back them up a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> they need, obviously, they need all the backing up they can get. Not like they've been yeah. renewed for another two series. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Nine or anything. I want, <laughs> no. I want ten. So I'm... give me more and more. Honestly, more. forever. I, I wonder yeah. if they'll stop at nine. That's what well, I don't want. That to would happen, be fun. But well, I wonder that, if they yeah. will. From reading the forwards of the scripts, they're really not that invested in the concept of the nine. I don't think no. so. I don't. Know, I don't know whether they would. It's the money. Um, Just keep it coming. Keep the new series. They've got mortgages to pay. I suppose. They, you never yeah. know. Uh, right. Let's let's wrap it up there then. Katie, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed talking about that. I loved it so much, and I could. I could talk for hours in general, but about this, I'd say maybe four upwards hours I could talk about. It's just, it's been a pleasure chatting to you guys about it and, and knowing that you're fans as well. It's just, it's such a passion. I think I think all Inside Number Nine fans have that, that they they sort of share that that little bit of a twist and they enjoy the twists that they have yeah. and, and subver- subverting things. So it's always great to chat about and inside number nine with inside number nine fans. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> and, but that does not to say it doesn't have wide appeal. It's oh, we we keep waxing yeah. miracle. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. K- Katie, what are you what are you up to at the moment? Um, what can you what can you plug for for our listeners that have enjoyed listening to you? Uh, this is your soapbox. Um, so at the moment, Quirks and Foibles are doing sketches every week online. So you can follow us on social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook. And Instagram, you can follow us at Quirks and Foibles Sketch. And on Twitter, we are Quirks underscore Foibles. And just into YouTube, Quirks and Foibles. We will be there waiting for you to subscribe. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, we're doing that every week. And if we're just trying to make people laugh in, in a time where everybody needs a good, a good laugh and a joke about. And that's what we aim to do. Um, yeah, and we're loving it. And we'd love for, for you to come along to our channel and have a watch. Awesome. awesome. And yourself personally, where people find you? And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Katie F. Bennett. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's Katie two with ends. an IE. Uh, with an IE, yes. And, and, uh, and two N's, two T's for Bennett. Two N's, two T's. Look at you. You guys <laughs> yeah. know. Katie, IE, two N's, two T's. Yeah. <laughs> that really flows off the tongue. You should make that your stage yeah. name or something. I don't know. Um, oh. um, Caleb, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Caleb Lebster. That's C-A-L-E-B-L-E-B-S-T-E-R. And Jake, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter and Letterboxd at Jake Reesh. That's Jake R-E-E-S-H. And we are Maybe You Like It Productions, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Maybe You Like It. That's with the letter U. Or on Facebook at Maybe You Like It Productions. That's with the word U. Or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk and if you enjoyed this episode then do please rate us um, for some reason Apple has like deleted half of our ratings so please please oh. go and rate Aww. us they've, they've all gone um, and leave a review and tell your friends um, that would be wonderful and do subscribe as well because um, you know numbers high numbers and we and no. we are actually <laughs> releasing we're actually releasing weekly like pretty consistently at the moment. so you don't want to miss an oh, don't jinx it caleb <laughs> yeah i know that will be it this will be our last episode thanks for listening everyone for our last ever episode uh, <laughs> uh, thanks as always cab for this wonderful theme tune you can hear right now and other than that maybe you like that maybe you she's a witch
That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't. <laughs>